0: I believe sometimes as women as girls we forget our self-worth. Whether it's boundaries put up around us that prevents us to remember that we are strong, powerful women, or boundaries we put in ourselves that makes us think that we are not strong, that we aren't really worthy. My goal is to change that. My goal is to have you know that you are worthy, that you're capable of making a difference and a change, that you are capable of succeeding and pushing yourself. My podcast, Girls Who Run the World, shares stories of strong, powerful women that are changing the world that impact their community through their everyday lives. I am so excited to share this podcast with you all, hoping that it makes you realize that you are strong, you are worthy, and you are powerful. Let's do this. Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in today. On this episode of Girls Who Run the World podcast, I am interviewing Kat Ross. Kat is Notre Dame Prep's head field hockey coach. She is a powerhouse coach that has made a huge impact on her community around her. She has been named Baltimore Suns Coach of the Year twice, Maxfield Field Hockey's Coach of the Year once, Varsity Sport Network Coach of the Year once, and has been inducted into Centennial's High School Hall of Fame. I am so honored that she is here today to talk about her role as a coach. Thank you so much, Kat, for joining me today. and I am so excited for this episode.
1: Well, thanks for having me. I, I mean, I follow you, as you know, ever since you approached me at um, Notre Dame Prep and have just been listening to your podcasts. And I feel really good about myself today considering <laughs> who you go around and interview. I'm like, wow, why me? But And it was interesting because I said something to my girlfriends this weekend. We had a girls' weekend. And... Um, I was like, I don't know, why me? And they're like, knock it off. Like (laughs) people are, you know, come and women come in like like profound, you know, parts of their life for lots of different reasons. Like you don't have to necessarily be a CEO. Like I say, I'm the CEO of the Ross household, right? The CEO of Notre Dame Prep field hockey. (laughs) hockey. Um, So yeah, so they made me feel really good about it. And I mean, I'm honestly um, very humbled by being here.
0: Well, when asking you, so I told, I told you this over text, but so like talking to my friends about it, um, Charlotte Conte is like one of my closest friends and like, it like listens all the time. We'll text me all the time about the podcast and she's like, did I see, oh my gosh, she was looking through Facebook comments <laughs> and, um, you had comments and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for what's next. And she was like, are you interviewing, interviewing coach Cat? Like she's the perfect person for that. <laughs> and then Jamie Lastner was asking me about it. And all my friends, um, who play for you and who, or have played for you or just know you, um, we're super excited about this podcast, but to start us off, hopefully I'll get good feedback (laughs) from them. (laughs) I know they're gonna be listening. Um, to start us off, just tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Oh gosh. What what do we, we're just keeping this coaching, right? So, um, okay. So field hockey, I started playing field hockey, um, when I grew up living in England. So I was probably the equivalent of third grade there. So they started a lot earlier back in the 1980s. Um, my dad worked there, and we moved there for seven years. So that's where I learned to play. And field hockey in Europe is obviously huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved back to the states in 1990, and that's where I went to Centennial High School. And interestingly enough, I didn't really know the process for American sports, so I didn't play field hockey my freshman year. Um, they had already tried out when the first day of school came about, and I didn't know this whole preseason thing. And so I had asked the head field hockey coach there, Gail, I can't even talk, Gail Purcell. <laughs> um, who is one of my biggest mentors of my life. Um, and said to her, I was like, you know, are there any camps this summer that I could go to? Uh, And she kind of blew me off. She was like, and we talk about this all the time. I see her every summer. Yes, Gail, I'm (laughs) coming to see you this summer again. Um, but she said, yeah, they're all full, you know, didn't kind of get me any attention or anything. I was like, okay, whatever. So I went and I tried out my sophomore year and she came up to me and she's like, who are you? You know? And I was like, oh, I'm Katrina Ross, or actually Katrina Wolf then, whoops, married name. Um, And well, where are you from? I'm like, well, I didn't play last year because I missed the tryouts. And she's like, oh, and push came to shove, tried out, made varsity. And um, from that point on, Gail just became an amazing mentor for me as a young teenage woman. Um, Went on to play at Temple University, um, which um, at the time was an amazing field hockey program. We're in some rebuilding right now with some great coaches that are coming in. Um, and then, gosh, this story I feel, I, it's because i'm forty six years old. this is so old. Um, so graduated from temple didn't really know what I was wanted to do. I had offered um a job at Allstate and I was like, there's just no way I could not sit behind a desk that's just not my personality mm-hmm. um And so I was like, I want to coach, and my college coach, Lauren Fuchs, um put the word out there that I was looking, and I ended up getting picked up at Towson University oh, by awesome. yeah Lynette Kidder. Um, at the time, Lynette Mitzel. Now she was a fantastic Penn State alum, mm-hmm. ba- major <laughs> hockey player, and just a great mentor as well. Um, ended up coaching there for a couple years. I started doing my master's in healthcare administration because I thought that's what I want to do. Temple, I got a degree in kinesiology. Okay. Um, thought I wanted to be a physical therapist. That, that I did some physical therapy <laughs> internships and was like, no, that's not it. Um, So I was working and as many people can attest, coaching is not um, something that's very well paid. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting down at one point and saying, I'm currently working seven part-time jobs to make ends meet just so I can like do this coaching thing. Um, And whatever, it is what it is. Like I I did it, I pushed through, Um, ended up going back to Temple and doing a year there of assisting my coach. And at that point I was like, I want to go to nursing school. Mm -hmm. So I did some of nursing while I was coaching at Towson, transferred to Temple and then came back to Towson to okay. finish up my BSN. Um, and at that point, I just said, you know, I got to get out of this coaching thing. I want to have a family, right. et cetera, et cetera. Um, started being a tech in the emergency room at Howard County okay. and was coaching my high school team with Gail just for a season as well. Um, met my husband somewhere along the lines in there. Uh, graduated nursing school, and then just, I became an Instamom. Um, my husband had two sons, <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, Instamom, <laughs> just add kids and stir is what we used to say, um, which was fantastic. My husband was going through a divorce at that time, mm-hmm. and both of my stepsons, Hunter and Kaden, they were two and four at the time, right. um, and they live with us primarily, so that was fun, and then we had my own kids, um, my own girls, Kerrigan and Emerson, yeah. who you know yeah. a little bit about there at Notre Dame Prep as well. And at that point, word got out on the street. Um, We were living in Hampstead, Carroll Uh County, that I had played hockey and had coached hockey and just through like the mom's groups. And I was like, I'm never coaching again. I'm good. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do this. And then of course, my arm got twisted into coaching rec (laughs) hockey, which was an interesting story within itself. (laughs) Going from coaching division one elite athletes to five and six year olds. And my friends were like, okay, we need to teach you how to sing songs. I'm like, sing songs? Sing songs about field hockey? Okay. I'm like, how about you guys do the singing of the songs, the songs. <laughs> and I'll do the teaching of the skills. Yeah. So that's kind that's of great. my coaching story. Yeah. And well, and then to go along with that, um, then Kristen Brown. Did you ever meet Kristen Brown, our athletic trainer?
0: Um, you know what? Is she at Gilman now? She's at Gilman yeah, now, so yeah. So I know her. Absolutely, yeah.
1: yeah. Amazing, amazing, amazing trainer. Um, she approached me what did I tell you? I started NDP 2016? Yeah, I think so. 2016. um, And said, hey, Kat, I don't know if you're interested, but NDP is looking for a head varsity field hockey coach. And I said, Kristen, come on. (laughs) I'm like, I have four kids. I'm a nurse practitioner. I work nights. No way. And she goes, well, just think about it. And so I, you know, I talked to my husband, Joe, and he, I said, Joe, can you believe this? I'm like, Kristen called me. She said, why don't you think about coming to be the head field hockey coach at Notre Dame Prep? And not thinking that, I thought his response was going to be like, oh, that's great. You know, kind of like, whatever, move yeah. on. He was like, well, you're passionate about it. Why don't you do it? And I was like,
0: <laughs> like okay.
1: okay. I'm like, that was not the response I was getting, thinking I was going to yeah. get. And then all of a sudden the wheels started spinning. And I was told about how much potential these girls yeah. had at the school, how great the families were, how great the school was, et cetera, et cetera. Um, my kids were in private school up in... Carroll County, which the Carroll County private schools Mm -hmm. didn't have field hockey, Gerstel. um, And so I was just like, hmm. And they weren't old enough to go to NDP yet either because we started in sixth grade and they were still in elementary school. But anyways... The wheels started spinning, I started looking at some of my mentors, yeah. what do you think, is this possible? Some were like, I don't know, you've got a crazy schedule. And others were like, I think you can do it. Like with the yeah. right team and the right support unit, I think you can do it. And right. knowing that Joe supported me, and I was like, look, you know, I'm like, I'm all in. So, and he goes, I know. I'm like, you're gonna be, you know, a field hockey dad <laughs> yeah. or widower, you know? And, or widow, whatever, widower, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. I got that right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. it was just that and this, an amazing awesome. group of women yeah. supporting me.
0: So how was that transition from playing to coaching? What was that like?
1: You know, honestly, I, this will go back to a story about my dad, Um, there's three of us and my dad will flat out tell you, and he'll still tell you that to this day, I was not the most athletic out of the three kids. (laughs) Right. But I went the furthest because of work ethic. And just because I think I had that middle child syndrome that I was always trying to prove everybody wrong that I got this. Like I had this amazingly brilliant sister who was just so smart, very talented. And then a brother who was just an amazing athlete. Um, and unfortunately didn't do anything with it. Um, you know, that's a whole nother podcast, (laughs) but (laughs) for me, it was just, it was, it was my way out. And um, I think I was a good field hockey player and I was an athletic field hockey player, but I wasn't the best on the team. I knew the game. I worked really, really hard at knowing what my deficits were. Mm um, that maybe I wasn't the fastest or maybe I wasn't the most skilled, but I was going to outsmart you. And I think that that's what gave me the competitive edge going into coaching is that I became a student of the game. Um, whereas a lot of high level coaches have a hard time transferring that knowledge to maybe Mm -hmm. kids who aren't as talented. Um, which is why I think that made me be a pretty good field hockey coach at the high school level because you don't always get the most talented. You just get kids that want to be a part of something, which is really awesome too. And how do you make that work? And how do you integrate that into some very, very talented kids, as you know, that we've had at Notre Dame Prep yeah. and come out with a winning season? Right. So
0: So, you what, would you be- what would you say that you believe are good attributes of a good coach?
1: Well, that's going to depend on what level, right? It's all yeah. different, right? At the rec level, you got to know how to sing songs. Yeah. And you got to be able to teach the basics. <laughs> um, at the high school level, I think you have to understand um, the teenage mind. Mm-hmm. You have to... kind of you get what you get, and you don't get upset. There's not a lot of recruiting that goes on at high school. Mm -hmm. um, And we don't really have the ability to do that. Notre Dame Prep is such a great academic school. And so many people want to come to it that we don't really have the need to give out scholarships, right? Right. And Sister Patricia did support a scholarship this year for us, which is awesome. And we're moving in. Yeah, it's so exciting, right? In the direction of, um, you know, maybe competing with some of the area schools that do give scholarships Um, but at the same rate we still you know we still win and we get great families who you know it takes a community to build great teams right so at the high school level i rely a lot on the club system that feeds us Mm -hmm. right so we have h2o that feeds us we have freedom that feeds us high max um, those club teams are really, really important to the success of all of the hockey in the Baltimore area. And also for the, at the recreation level too. Right. Um, it, it truly does take a village to build great teams on the area. And Maryland's yeah. not necessarily known for field hockey, but we're putting ourselves on the map more yeah. by building these great club teams like lacrosse. So. Yeah.
0: so like speaking of like high school level, like even with NDPC, even coming in as a freshman, and I think, you know, that's I don't know if did they win it did your team win in 2018 maybe 19
1: we oh my gosh this is so bad that I can't remember this Um, so I came in in 2016 we won in 17 and 18. Okay so you right yeah so I think you guys
0: won so 18 so I think you guys had just won you you were you won that the first my first semester at NDP that fall. Was that our
1: undefeated year? I'm, I, I apologize to my alums. That's I can't okay. remember. It's, it was, it's been a ride. It's seven years that's already. Okay. Oh. Well, they were two back-to-back seasons. The first season we went undefeated, yeah, um, which was incredible. Because, I mean, that's the other thing that you rely on at the high school level, too, is really, really good other athletes from other sports. Like that first year that I came mm-hmm. in, we had some really young sophomores that were just going to be amazing. Right. Um, but we had some really, really, really amazing lacrosse athletes yeah. that with just a little bit of tweaking and coaching we could make them into amazing field hockey players players too. Like Mm -hmm. uh, Grace Haas, she went on and played at um, uh, University of Florida Lacrosse. We taught her to do the Y Dodge. The Y dodge doesn't even really exist anymore, but wow, like if you're yeah. fast and you don't have and grace, this is not, nothing, no harm on, or no foul, whatever on this She wasn't the most skillful field hockey player, but yeah. she was fast and such an athlete. Yeah. just hit the ball around the defender, run, collect it, and shoot. And she did it, and it worked. <laughs> yeah. um, so I actually saw a, a Y Dodge recently at like, I think it was I don't even know. What that ch- is. Yeah. It, so you have the defender, yeah. and you just place the ball to the right of okay. the defender. And then you run around the left, collect it, and run. Oh, okay. like, it's, yeah. it, it's just very, very simple. Yeah. Old school field hockey when like obstruction was a thing. It's <laughs> not even a role anymore. But um, so, so at the high school level, we rely a lot on talented other athletes that you can recruit to want right. to come and be a real a part of it. Because most kids now are playing year-round right, lacrosse yeah. or year-round field hockey, whatever it may be, because we're specializing so early, which mm-hmm. is a yet another yeah. podcast for us to do. But
0: even like what I was saying, when so when coming to NEP, I remember like the field hockey te- team being such, in its own community. Um, very, inc- like wanted to be friends with everybody, but you guys did like Blazer Dash together. I can remember my first year running Blazer Dash. And so thinking about your players, they were some of the nicest people. Mm -hmm. What do you look for in a player when, not just skill-wise, but what do you look for in a player when you're recruiting them for your team or just building your team?
1: Well, in building. I mean, it's really do you want to be a part of this, right? Because I make no promises, and I think that's another reason why I've had such a strong culture and foundation is that from the get-go, I set the rules and I set the standards Mm -hmm. pretty high, coming in that not everybody's going to get the same amount of playing time at the varsity level. JV's a little different. Obviously, middle level's different too. But, um, you know, not everybody's going to get – equal playing time. Um, but everybody's going to know their role on the team and you're going to be given the opportunity to, you know, move into different roles as you progress and as you work hard and as you learn new things and, you know, and adapt and see things, but really a sense of community, um, kids who want to be a part of something that's fun, right? Like it's amazing to me that I have people reaching out that want to come and be managers for the team, you know, like managers, a job (laughs) that like is not a lot of glory, right? You're, you're, Taking stats, you're videoing for me, or whatever it may be. You're running and getting pennies. Oh my gosh, we forgot the balls, yeah. and they want to be a part of it because the group is so fun, right? Yeah, and you can and, see
0: that from being even just a student or like yeah. on the sideline or whatever.
1: And my and my coaching staff, right? Like, so one of the things that I thrive on is building teams, right? Yeah. Like my my real job, I, mm-hmm. I have a very small team um, of scientists that work for, work with me. I I don't like saying work for me, but work with me rather. And it's the same thing. Like I have a coaching staff and it's knowing my deficits, right? Like I know I'm not that much of a fun coach, right? (laughs) So what do I do? We keep cookie around, right? She's amazing. And the girls love her. And she brings to the field such an amazing, dynamic that I'm not able to do. Right. She brings the kids cookies. She gives me lollipops when (laughs) I'm chirping off off to the umpires. (laughs) Um, and then you have Chris Medveds, who's been with us forever. Her daughter, um, plays at Wake Forest and she's a goalkeeping specialist, right? So I know how to coach goalkeepers, but I never have been in pads. So I, she brings that. And so we've had some really amazing goalkeepers come through our program. We have Lucy Lowe, who went on to play lacrosse at Penn State, and she was a goalkeeper for lacrosse. She was fantastic. Then we had Brooke Borzomowski, who's a starting goalkeeper at Syracuse this year. Um, And then my own daughter, Kerrigan, who's a goalkeeper and just committed. So you look at that, and then we've got one rising up, um, Megan, Um, she's gonna be amazing. And then we've got an incoming freshman, Harper, who's working really hard. So it's important that I have a team around me, There's a, Dr. Christine Kanaus is a new assistant. She's young, right? I haven't been played field hockey in 25 years and neither have the other, you know, us old coaches. (laughs) And so she brings this youthfulness to us. Um, and maybe a little bit more cutting edge can get out on the field and play a little easier than, I mean, I, (laughs) I get out there and play, but it's not pretty anymore. And I'm sore for two days afterwards. But, um, you know, she brings that knowledge and she also connects with the girls on a different level too. Um, and then we had a parent who came through the program just recently come out and say, Do you need any help? Like, yeah. I miss, like, she did some rec coaching and stuff. And I'm never going to turn down help. Yeah. Like, if someone wants to be a part of this, then they're going to be passionate about, yeah. you know, whatever they whatever. can give. Yeah. You know, whether it's, you know, we call Donna Cookie, our director of field hockey operations. She's, you know, she gets to the field, she sets up our warm up. She's, she does every she works on our community service projects. Like that's Aww. another thing that we do, yeah. um, which is the Blazer Dash. Blazer Dash. So it's important for us as a team to make sure that the girls are out there doing community yeah. service.
0: And so, like going off that, two things. So first, I actually remember JB soccer. Um, me and my sister were not the best soccer players at all, but it was just like, let's do a sport fall, like throw us into like meeting new people. And I remember like us being sidetracked. We would watch the field hockey game going on during it and like Cookie or um the coach cookie would be like giving the girls lollipops. Or I think it was like the breast cancer game and the pink game that she mm-hmm. was like tying ribbons or there was pink all, all over and we were like, What is this team? We love it. And we never played field hockey. Um You should have but- joined us. <laughs> oh my gosh. That would have been hilarious. But um I think my back I don't even know how they do it. But um we teach <laughs> you, <Yeah, right. laughs> but we were like, oh my gosh, this lady is amazing. She gives her players <laughs> like lollipops mid-game or whatever the, before the game or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was great. But thinking about how you were saying how you know growing up you weren't the most talented on the team, but you knew like your work ethic was good, and that's why you know you stayed around for so long. What are some key values that you think you brought with you from playing to coaching and now in the high school level? What are values that you hold for your team? Do you think, like I know you said community service.
1: Yeah, well, community service is a big deal. Yeah, um, I think some of the things I struggled, and and I think this is where it com- my mentor coach Purcell comes into play, yeah. is that I struggled as a teenager. We all did. We all mm-hmm. had these awkward times that were hard and difficult. And she really filled an important part of my life in teaching me some really important lessons. You know, I wasn't a perfect kid. I was a work hard, work hard, play hard kind of kid, and made some mistakes along the way. But she guided me Mm -hmm. and mentored me and unconditionally loved me, really, you know, like taught me some of the hardest lessons in life um, through coaching and through mentorship that have brought me to where I am now. And I think that that's what makes me a good high school coach too is because I know these kids aren't perfect. I know they're going to slip up. I know they're going to make mistakes. I I know what's going on behind the scenes. But we teach them about integrity and honesty and accountability. And if you do screw up and if you do mess up, um, you know, i I need to be the first one that hears about it. Yeah. I better not hear about it from uh, from Sister Patricia or a fellow coach anything <laughs> yeah. like that. And so we do. Like when you're named captain of my team, we go through a leadership training. Okay. And there's a manual that we use, and a lot of colleges use it. And it's a 10 week training program. We're currently going through it with our new yeah. captains. And you know, we each person takes a chapter, we read it, and we learn from it. And, you know, part of that is accountability and some of the things that you talk about, right, on your podcast, yeah. where young women, we're so worried about what others think. Yeah. But as a captain, you can't. As a captain, you're going to have to make some really hard decisions where right. people might not like you and might have a hard time understanding that. Right. And in the meantime, you're out with these friends and how are you acting as a captain? When you have NDP gear yeah. on, how are you acting? What are you doing? And even when you don't have NDP gear on, people know that you're on the NDP field hockey team. How are you acting at the mall? How are you acting in your social settings? Um, So really teaching young women those things that are important, and especially in this day and age with social media, I mean, it's it's a scary, scary (laughs) world. So decision making and making the harder right decision. If my husband's listening, he taught me that one, making (laughs) the harder right decision, not the easy wrong decision. (laughs) Um, one of his favorite quotes. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, but it's true, right? Like as young women, we we are so, and even as an older woman now, like I find myself caring too much about what other people think No, and you get to a certain point in your life and it's getting easier now. Um, but trying to help young women understand that.
0: Right, so even, so high school is such a like, I speak about like, I think middle school is one of the hardest time for girls because, well for me specifically, social media was being thrown in. Um, you know, in elementary school I wasn't really worrying about what other people thought and then middle school all of a sudden something hit me and I was like, why am I caring, why am I seeking validation from this person this person? And then you get to high school and for me, you know, NDP, I came from St. Margaret, so NDP was a whole new group of girls that have, mm. some of them have already been with each other for three years. Um, so I definitely think high school is one of the most pivotal, challenging times and, you know, where you see a lot of self-growth. Growth. Um, so why do you think it's so important for you to coach young women at NDP or at this all-girls school where it might be challenging for them?
1: Um, I mean, I think that being in a role, um, another one of my favorite hashtags is if she can see her, she can be her. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about this, mm-hmm. right? Um, when Title IX came into effect in 1972, mm-hmm. 90% of women's teams were coached by women. Okay. Amazing, yeah. right? Like that's a stat we want to see. Yeah. But as we sit here today, I think the New York Times article that I pulled stats from was in 2019. Mm-hmm. Under 40% of women's teams at the NCAA level are coached by women. What are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? That women are not out there coaching women. Thank yeah. you to all the amazing men who have stepped up and are coaching, yeah. but- I want to be that person that shows women and young women that, A, giving back is really important, Yeah, and it's really important for women to be led by women mm-hmm. and to show, because we are different. Men and women are yeah. different, and we lead differently, and we learn differently, um, and I want them to see that it is possible, mm-hmm. right? With the right team around you, with the right tribe around you, I call it, you know, my, my tribe of friends, with the right partner in life, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of times... It's the dads that step up yeah. to coach, whether it be soccer. I knew nothing yeah, about I've soccer. Yeah, i never had a woman.
0: I think I've only had a woman coach once until I got to NDP, and I had um, my basketball coach, Katie Marks, was um, I think the only woman coach I ever had. Mm-hmm. But it was always a man, always a man, and it was, it's hard to relate a little bit because you know even so, sorry to cut you off, but even no, going through like middle school and you know d- playing sports and you know you're going through all these things as a young girl, and even going to high school, it's kind of hard to relate and like look up as like even though my dad's been a coach for a lot of the game like basketball that I play and I've learned so much from Mm -hmm. my dad. um, I think, you know, from a woman perspective, to be able to be coached by a woman is totally changes the game because you're not only, like you said, she if she's doing it, I can do this too. And you're learning more and they can connect with you more. So sorry to cut you off, but I just agree with you. Completely you you,
1: but you look at it and and it is something that I am very passionate about. You probably, you probably see um, when I'm sp- like speaking and those yeah. kinds of things. But it ta- like we've gotten to a point where women bear so much more guilt, right? Like we bear this guilt, oh, but I'm away from the kids. Like there was a lot of time away from my girls and the boys for that matter. They were a little bit older when I stepped in. So they were, you know, pouring their own cereal and stuff like that. <laughs> but, you know, like it, there was a lot of time away. But my girls also at that time saw that you can do that. Like mom can work and have an amazing career and also give back, be a mom. And I I think I'm a pretty good mom. They might day to day (laughs) that it's questionable for them, but they can also see that they can do that as well. And so can all of these young women, you know, like you look at private school and people assume that just because someone's in private school, They are in more affluent communities or quote-unquote better families. And that's not true. Like being a coach, seeing it's the same problems in public school to private school that kids are dealing with day in, day out. And I think that's an important part too, that all of us as a coaching staff are approachable in different ways and can support in different ways too. And some kids are more comfortable going to talk to other kids than, or Mm -hmm. other coaches than, you know, someone might be more comfortable talking to Coach Chris or Doc than me, Um, So I just think giving back and showing, I mean, if you look at each, every one of us as a coach, Donna came from a really, really tough upbringing Mm -hmm. and just pushed through and persevered on everything that she's Mm -hmm. done and just loves being around the kids and the kids see that. Um, And you look at Chris, Chris was an amazing, uh, she has like two master's degrees, special education um, teacher and put that aside so that she could be a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. Well, that's incredible as well. Like you she gave up her career to raise two amazing kids yeah. and now she's you know going to be empty nesting and stuff, but <laughs> um you know that's tough as well, but the yeah. she's so amazing with the kids. Mm-hmm. And then you look at um doc who yeah. is Christine Kanaus and all that she I mean she has her doctorate yeah. and she played she's a three-time national champion from University That's of Maryland awesome. and wants to be with us yeah. you know yeah. and you look at all of them that have come through yeah. as coaches and it's just this amazing team of women for them to look up to. And it, one of the other things that I love saying is hashtag all women's staff. Yeah. You know, like a lot of places. That. Yeah. Yeah. They're, it's tough to have an all women staff yeah. these days. Like if you look at field hockey in general, there are a lot of um, international males that are coaching mm-hmm. and their assistants. Some of them are heads too. And they're phenomenal and great and everything. Um, and they bring a different part of the sport and a different type of coaching, which I think is amazing. Yeah. Um, but Yeah. Women, I yeah. I could go on and on and on <laughs> about women, <laughs> women need to coach women and no, yeah. be able to see that you not necessarily can do it all. There's got to be balance. And I, I'm telling you, I can't do this on my own. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I have a tribe, I have a fantastic partner, husband, yeah. um, who supports it. And, um, you know, there are days when I have to fly for work. Yeah and, excuse me, and my assistants take over practice. And I know my, I know the team's in amazing hands.
0: Yeah, that's great. And so like for these girls to have, like the girls that are on your team to have all these different role models, whether, you know, they can connect with each one of you on different levels. Um, going back to when you were playing, you talked about your mentor a lot. And I know, so I was gonna ask who was your mentor, but you've talked about her. So just tell us a little bit about. Yeah, so th- I mean, there's definitely
1: right a couple of mentors, right? In yeah. all, in, in field hockey specific, um, coach Gail Purcell. She's retired. She was at Centennial for, oh my gosh, don't, don't be mad at me, Gail, if (laughs) if you listen to this, but over 35 years, I think. And she was just, I mean, she was incredible. She went to Towson. It was Towson State when she was there. She was on the national women's lacrosse team, multiple state championships, basketball, lacrosse, hockey she recruited me to play lacrosse. I'd never played lacrosse in my life and I'd played tennis my freshman year. She was like, "Come play lacrosse." Okay. Um but anyways, she is just like like I said, we we I talked about her and I I could I go every like right before preseason, I'll go visit her. Obviously, COVID was a little bit yeah. different, but I go visit and um her and her wife Sandy, we go out on the boat and we just talk and we reminisce Aww. and um, you know, just talk field hockey and yeah. what's going on in life and catch up. <laughs> and she actually it was interesting when I did get inducted into my Hall of Fame, um, you know, a lot of everybody else had family walk them. Yeah. And I, I thought it was just so important for her to walk me because she's yeah. the one who got me there. Right. And my my dad obviously was another mentor too and yeah. just a super supportive athlete. Um and was the one who was just kind of like you can do this. And I mean I remember my dad coming to every single one of my games in college. Like he made it happen. I could could probably tell you the five that he wasn't at and it was just work related, whatever it may be. But I specifically remember playing at Westchester and he said, yeah, I'm not gonna make it to your game today. And I'm like, okay. And it was one of the closer ones, right? From Baltimore up there. And all of a sudden I heard this voice on the sideline. And I was like, in the middle of the game, we're like, oh, he made it. <laughs> <I> <laughs> there's dad. It. Yeah, there's dad. There he dad. is. <laughs> so, um, and, and Gail, too, like she she showed up. She came to my end of year or my end of career banquet. Um, I remember her being on the sidelines at my University of Maryland game my freshman year. And and it was one of the things now that I do as a coach, right? So yeah. my players, I, I make it. Um, I make every effort that I can to get to one of, at least one of their college games. Oh, yeah.
0: I saw um, yeah. Well, maybe Piper Friedman. Yeah, or somewhere at Colomores. Yep. Yeah, lacrosse,
1: hockey, whatever. Like, I just I love seeing them, and it it's it becomes overwhelming to me because it's just like, oh my god, what these girls are killing life.
0: Yeah,
1: and you know, just keeping in touch with the alums, yeah. and we got away from it because of COVID, but we were doing a little alum gathering. We need to get back to that oh, too. That's fun. Um, just yeah. catching up and seeing what they're doing, yeah. and I, I just I, I love it. We, I had an alum, Mary Kate Fitzpatrick, is helping us with. Um, with our summer sevens that we do. Okay, yeah. And she's like, do you need help this, this fall? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I, like again, another person who wants to come back yeah. and help. And she's like, well, I haven't played hockey in a long time. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. I'm like, neither have I. I love it. I'm like, you're an athlete. And like, she, we have an award named after Mary Kate Fitzpatrick, actually. Um, I, people ask me all the time, or, I was accused one time of playing my favorites, and, um, which I thought was <laughs> kind of funny. I was accused one time of playing my favorites and only caring about winning. Okay. Well, some truth to that, but playing favorites, I'm like, well, if I only played my favorites, then Mary Kate Fitzpatrick would have played every game, of, like every minute of every yeah. game. But that she is, I mean, we literally named this award after her because she was such an amazing leader off the yeah. field more than anything. And we had put her back on defense and made her a defender. And for senior game, we had so many seniors that year that we played her as forward. She scored a hat trick. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've known this kid for what? She played for me for 2 years and I've been playing her in the wrong position yeah. the entire time. We just we still laugh about it, but <laughs> we specifically made an award named after her.
0: That's so nice. Because of what
1: she gave as a captain. Yeah. Right? She was so selfless. She was always on the side. Like she was the loudest cheerer on the sideline. Didn't matter how much playing time she yeah. got, she was always everybody's advocate, supporter, Mm -hmm. whether, you know, she agreed with our decisions or not, you would never know. She just an amazing leader, just graduated from St. Mary's, had a fantastic lacrosse career there and um, is now is in nursing school. She's doing an accelerated nursing program. And it's just all of these stories about these kids and where they are in life and what NDP has given them and the joy that they've brought me and my entire staff. I know we all stay in touch with all of these alums. (gasps) So
0: I love that. So thinking about, you know, what was her name again? Sorry, Mary Mary Kate, Mary Kate. Um, And thinking about like your values as a coach, I want to know to you, like I believe she's probably one of the most coachable players sounding what you're telling me. What does coachability look like for you? then. Ooh, lots of different a coachable things. player look like
1: well, coachable players are kids who are listening, yeah. right? Like, are you listening? Are you making the changes? Like I pull you out. I tell you once, um, you know, I need you to pass the ball, right. We need to attack down the right a little yeah. bit more. Do they make that change right away? That's coachability, right? Yeah. Are you listening? Are you willing to get outside of your comfort zone? You know, a lot of us get so programmed that this is what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. this is what I'm doing. And a lot of kids are also playing club where they might be coached a little bit differently. And understand at the club level, it's all high level, right? It's all really, really good kids. And when you're at the high school level, we have kids that don't play club. And that again, we we talked about this, just wanting to be a part of something that's really fun. Um, And so how do we how do we adjust your position on the field? Like, yes, you might play MIDI at club, but guess what? I might need you to play defense for mm-hmm. high school because we need, you know, someone stronger back on defense to help. Cause maybe we'll have a weaker goalie or something yeah. like that. You know, those adjustments, can you do that? And are you okay with that? And can you make it about the team and not you? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, um, from a coachability standpoint. Yeah. And are, can you make the changes? Are you willing to make the changes right. and how quickly are you going to make those changes? Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so now I have a fun question for you. Uh-oh. I'm like ready to hear a story. Uh-oh. Um, what do you think one of your proudest coaching moments was? I mean, it's been years, but just one. There's one, no one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> proudest
1: coaching moments. I, it, it will absolutely always come down to the 20 and O team. Um, it was that core group of kiddos. Um, they were the class of 20. Oh, God, class of 2019, right? I think. I'm yeah, so think bad so. with that. Yeah. With Nat Friedman, yes. and Olivia, yeah, Rachel yeah, yeah 2019. 2019. They were juniors. And I still thought that we had a little bit more growth. Like we yeah. had a little, we came off losing to McDonough one nothing with zero time on the clock, my first year coaching. And, I went to the alums and the alums made a video right before the game of just like, we've got unfinished business <laughs> and we were 19 and 0 going into the game, which was incredible. Yeah. Like I've never been a part of an undefeated campaign at any level. That's I think, so exciting. That, you know, never. And it's, it's rare. If you look at the statistics, it's rare to do that. And in such a highly regarded conference like right. we are in the IAMA yeah. conference, um, and just mer- playing Maryland, um, public schools at that time too. And that season was really, really special. It was a group of just a a very, very, very diverse group of players who were from, they were lacrosse stars, they were field hockey stars, and it just all came together. And again, a community, right? They came from phenomenal clubs. Their families were amazing, like the most fun families (laughs) that just, they put in so much effort to get their kids to where they were. And me and my staff had the opportunity to just put this amazing thing together, right? They came to us with all this talent and work ethic, and they wanted to win. And it just, it just, it was like the stars aligned. Yeah. And when we, I mean, I could, I still get choked up talking about it. I mean, that was, I remember, I can remember it vividly. Oh, I love that. Yeah.
0: Um, But like, so... I can't imagine. I actually remember seeing that all over social media. I think mm-hmm. it was probably like Jamie Laster and Emma Kronberger, um, like saying our group chat, like videos of everybody, winning. everybody was like running on the, where, 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 where was the game again?
1: It was at um, Stevenson. University. Okay. So I thought yeah. everybody's
0: like cheering. Um, Jamie was like, I was on the sidelines. So I was so excited. Um, but so when you're talking about how, you know, you're, so you're coaching high school, girls are obviously going to go on to graduate. What's one, I'm, I'm sure there's many, but what's one lesson that you hope to leave? with each player that comes to you and then goes on to graduate and go to college. Oh gosh. That's a tough one. That's it. <laughs> I know, I'm with all these. <laughs> these are I good. These you. are good ones. <laughs>
1: um, you know what? I, I think that they always have a friend and they always have a home and that I'm a phone call away. Yeah. That there's never, there will never be judgment. I don't care where you are, it, what you're doing, we will be there for you and that NDP field hockey lives on beyond your senior year that this is something that I hope that they all walk away from as a fun experience a great experience that they learned a lot about life um not just the game and yeah that I Mm -hmm. that wherever I am however long this (laughs) life lasts for me (laughs) that that, I mean I have all of their numbers I butt dialed Kendall Krause um (laughs) Oh my gosh! This this weekend by accident. I haven't talked to her in years, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I butt dialed you." And then all of a sudden, butt dialed her, it, it, my finger hit it again, and I was like, "Ken, I haven't talked to you in forever." And she goes, "I know." I'm like, "What's going on?" I'm like, "I'm so yeah. sorry." She goes, "No problem, Coach Cat," and she still calls me Coach Cat. You know? <laughs> That's like, hilarious. It's just I love cute. It. Or like yeah. walking down the street, like walking down the street in at Georgetown. Um, all of a sudden, I hear Coach Cat, and I'm like. <laughs> and it's you know jj Kraft who plays at american she's like oh we're headed over to the escape room and i was down there for yeah i don't even remember, what was i down there for i was with my girls for some reason and we uh, yeah you know just bumping yeah. into kids and like seeing stuff and connecting and uh for me it's just that they have a sense of there's always there's a we're a phone call away yeah
0: yeah um and then so I, I know we t- touched on this a little bit earlier. So we talked about Title IX. But like in pro- NBA and professional levels, um, we're starting to see more like women assistant coaches. I think a lot of the teams have assistant coaches are women. So how do you feel about like maybe women on the rise in a professional level? I know professional we talked
1: about- level in men's sports?
0: Yeah, in men's yeah. sports. Well, so
1: that's another interesting statistic, right? In that article in 2019, um, 60% of mm-hmm. women's sports were being, are being coached by men. And if you look at the flip side to that, What's, what do you think it is? What's the, I'll question you. What's the percentage of women coaching men's sports at the NCAA level?
0: Maybe 40%, 50%.
1: 3%. Oh, really? 3%. Yeah. Oh my Interesting, right? Yeah. So that tells you a lot about, how women are regor- regarded in men's yeah. sports and how well they can. But yes, we are seeing a nice shift in professional sports where we're getting some, it's right. It's I'm a like startle- stunned. <laughs> right? It's a startling statistic. Um, and, and quite frankly, that that is what it is. What I don't even want to focus on that. I want to focus on how do we move that 40%. Like, right. great. If you If you want to be a woman and coach men's sports, I support you. I salute you. Yeah. I think it's awesome, like, seeing them in the NFL on the sidelines yeah. and we're seeing more women refs on the sidelines for the NFL and that kind of stuff. But that's, that's, I'm not, that I'm not worried about. I'm worried about why our number is under 40% for women coaching women. Yeah. Um, cause that'll, that'll all come into play. Come we, into we gotta, play. yeah, we gotta fix that number first.
0: <laughs> uh. Um, so we've talked about how you're a mom. So a mom of four, two girls, two boys. Um, and you know, balancing that is hard. What would you say would be your main, how'd you learn how to balance, I mean, you're always coaching, but how'd you learn how to balance being a mom and coaching?
1: You know, a lot of it is time management, um, which I'm not the best at. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my husband calls me the squirrel I'm all over the place. Like I, I I probably have an undiagnosed like adult ADHD, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I do too. I will be doing a load of laundry and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, but the bathroom needs to be cleaned. So I'll do half a load of laundry and then I'll go clean the sinks. And then I'm like, oh, but I didn't finish the laundry. And then I'm like, oh, back to scrubbing the toilet. But it gets done. It just doesn't get done in a very orderly way. Yeah. So um, I would say that A, it, it's... I, I make checklists, right? Yeah. I have checklists and I'm like, this is what I have to get done. If I don't have a checklist for the day. <laughs> my
0: mom, right? she would wake us up and she'd be like, girls, here's Madison, here's your list for the day. Chad, my dad, here's your list for the day. And she'd be like boarding us all around. She's like, we got to have our list. Like, lists keep us in line, people.
1: Totally. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you're like, okay, I accomplished that. And then whatever didn't get checked, you can move it over. And you're yeah. like, okay, now let's put that to the top or reprioritize, right? So staying organized understanding that perfection is not, you know, you don't have to be perfect. There's going to be days where it's a little rough and bumpy, but you made it to the end and you got, you got tomorrow to start over. And, um, obviously having a supportive spouse or, Mm -hmm. you know, partner is important. Having your tribe. Um, the other thing, you know, that we haven't touched on is that, yes, I am a coach, but this is my hobby. Like I do have a real job. Yeah. (laughs) So to touch on that, like, I've always worked in jobs around my husband's career. Right. Right. So we never had to have our kids in daycare. We, he was, um, a firefighter and assistant chief in the fire department. He worked his way up. We actually met in the emergency room while I was a tech, um, And so we always made it work that right. his schedule and my schedule, we were able to keep the kids home, which was so nice. Right. And not everybody has the ability to be able to do that. But at the end of the day, it saved us a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it just worked. Yeah. Um, and so when he retired, after he did four years in the military and then 21 years in the fire department, he retired. And all that at all that time, I had been working either weekends or I'd right. been working nights. Well, tell us a little bit about
0: your job then. I wanna... So
1: I'm a, I'm a nurse practitioner okay. by trade. But... Um, in the beginning I was clinical, right? So I was working in emergency rooms. When the kids were little, I worked in the emergency room. I did some home healthcare and some hospice stuff too. It was always jobs that I was able to manage a family and myself and Joe's job and we just made it work. So then um, I was out with one of my tribe girlfriends and we're out for a run, we were training for a marathon and we're like, well, what do you do after a marathon? And we were both like, let's go to nurse practitioner school, like (laughs) random, like, right? Like these goal oriented. Yeah. Right. This is what you do. Like your goal. I just, I tend to gravitate towards successful. It's surround yourself with greatness, right? I think that's a really important thing to learn as a young woman is you are who you hang out with 100%. If you're hanging out with people who bring you down, you're gonna be Debbie Downer. You want to be surrounded by people who bring you up and are great as well, because you're gonna feed off of one another. So anyways, we're out for a run, and we're like, yeah, let's go to NP school. So we went to NP school, we went to Georgetown together, and she went a different route. She's in family practice, Jessica Kovalenko, absolutely brilliant, so smart. She was a soccer player at Goucher. Mm -hmm. Um, Beautiful, amazing friendship that we've just blossomed through the years and just supported one another. And now she's in family practice. I went a different route. Again, husband was still working, so I went night's emergency room. So I would work Sunday overnight, Monday overnight, Tuesday overnight. (laughs) I'd get the kids on the bed. It was a great schedule, so great. I'd get the kids um, on the bus, well, not really on the bus, to school, because they didn't have a bus, and then I'd sleep. Pick them up from school and then go to practice. Yeah. So that's when I was like, like in my coaching. And some days I was like, wow, four hours. This is tough, but it was so worth it because then I'd have four days off. Oh, right. So, nice. so yeah, yeah. So nursing is like such so a thing. Yeah, it's a great profession. Um, but then, as Joe retired, I was like, you know what? I'm like this. I, I'm ready to t- let my career take yeah. off a little bit. So I've really had some amazing, interestingly enough, women bosses. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm drawn to that. I. Oh, when I was in home health and doing some healthcare sales, um, I had Jessica Flynn as a manager and she was amazing, uh, an amazing, amazing manager that just showed me the way of, you know, how to balance life that you can have a career and you can be a good mom yeah. and you, you, you can, um, balance everything. She was super flexible and understanding and very much is, if you're meeting your goals, this is how I manage people. Yeah. If you're meeting your goals, we don't, we don't have to have a conversation (laughs) kind of thing, you know what I mean? But you start slipping, that's when we have to start Mm -hmm. micromanaging. I'm not a micromanager. I totally believe in autonomy and flying and letting people bring to the table what we hired them for, right? So now um, as a nurse practitioner, I work in biotech. Okay. So I have a really small team. We cover the entire country and we support, um, a sales team of plastic and reconstructive, um, acellular dermal matrices for breast That's, cancer yeah. That's and, so um, fascinating. yeah, abdominal wall reconstruction, yeah. those types, just not yeah, yeah. to go into it deeply. But with that being said, again, really amazing boss, Amanda, if you're out there. Yeah. Um, you know, I, when I interviewed with her, I'm like, I want to work for her. Like <laughs> she's just That's someone amazing. that you can learn yeah. from and you're like, wow, she's pretty incredible. Um, but the other thing is just you know being able to be flexible, like now, with the lights at NDP, mm-hmm. like we had morning practices last year <laughs> I so, did hear about yeah, right yeah, I'm sure you did, <laughs> so having morning practices um and now we'll be able to, able to have night games and night practices, yeah. so like preseason looks like for us six p to eight p this year yeah. where we can all of us not worry about, oh my gosh, we're supposed to be working right yeah. now or whatever, like we can actually get our duties and jobs done during the day and then get to the field and yeah. you know have our hobby time
0: that's exciting um but I didn't want you to talk about your job because it's a lot about ba- and I've talked about so with Catherine Miller about um balancing she's like some balls are um glass and some are yeah pla- no wait
1: I remember this it's that. my goodness yeah.
0: I'm blinking
1: it was it was a great one um now I'm gonna have to go back and relisten. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna have to go back She's find the one where like, we
1: got the I got some this. Some balls yeah.
0: are plastic, some are glass. You have to see which ones you allow to drop and they bounce back and which one you yeah. can't let fall. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll cut myself out <laughs> the <great>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some balls are plastic. I would actually love it if you cut that in there. Yeah. Uh, um I, I'm gonna keep it in. Um but Evan said some balls are plastic and some balls are glass, so some ha- drop and you just let it drop and you know that maybe you've dropped the ball on this one, um, but some bounce right back up and you can handle it. But I think that's something that I have actually learned from her and I'm not like a mom or I'm not like, I don't have this full-time job, but even just like balancing time with friends or balancing right now, trying learning how to do time management with college because it's not, it's not an eight to three type of school day. Mm-hmm. It's something where I'm going to have to actually learn how to balance schoolwork and all of this. So I wanted you to dive into that because I was like, I don't know how she does it. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, It's
1: honestly, it's having, it's working with a team that supports you. Yeah. It's working for leadership that, you know, my, my leader right now is the head of DEI for our entire company. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, she really values, um, diversity within the group yeah. and understands, you know, get your job done. Mm-hmm. And if your job is done, then you know, yeah, and that that's it. And and that's kind of where I am as a leader as well with my team. I'm like, just get your job done and do a really great job at it. Yeah. And, you know, we'll check in. Yeah. Um, but and I think that's a shift in and I don't think really I think COVID helped it, but I think even before that we were starting to move into that as well, where people can work from home, um, you know, do a load of laundry. Yeah. get back to reading your, you know, research article or writing up your research, or whatever it may be, or yeah. you're balancing your conference calls, um, you know, and having the flexibility as a leader too to not micromanage is important.
0: Yeah. So heading back to coaching, mm-hmm. um, and this involves your children, what do you think the differences are in, you know, coaching these athletes and, you know, being with them all four years, if you are, and then raising your children. So what are, are there differences in how you raise hmm. your children and like how you're coaching these athletes. Well, yeah, you're allowed to yell at your kids. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I feel there's like definitely see, differences, yeah.
1: right? Because I'm not their mom or their parent, and you can influence, yes. Um, But you have to respect that everybody's household is different. It's different, yeah. And, you know, what goes on in somebody else's home or what's allowed in somebody else's home may not be what is allowed in my home. And I have to respect that and not judge and, you know, guide and understand and say, you know, that's great. This is a different way of doing it, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't ever want to step on anybody's yeah. toes, but Obviously, then yeah. again, when you're on the, on my playing field, there's going to be, you know, we have non-negotiables yeah. that we set out every year. Um, and they're they've been the same non-negotiables that we've had since I started and the team knows it. And if we go against the non-negotiables, you are no longer on the team. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that that's kind of the, the old school coaching philosophies that I bring back, right? Like, we, we have a run test. We, we run. Like a lot of I coaches, of
0: that <laughs> a lot of kids don't
1: run anymore. I'm like, well, Gail had us run two miles before practice even started. <laughs> and you know, if I said one cuss word, which um, it's yeah. amazingly enough, I'm making it through this entire thing without swearing. My friends are going to be so impressed. Um, you know, we were on the hill doing 10 Hills. Like, it, you oh know, so
0: goodness.
1: there, there's a, you have to discipline, but it's disciplining in a nurturing manner. Yeah. That's not, um, I don't know. It's a nurturing, nurturing, what am I trying to say? How do I say it better? You're going to delete this out and <laughs> fix this. <laughs> um, just, you can discipline in a nurturing way is yeah. the point that I'm making. Um, yeah. But I think at home, um, you know, sometimes you get off track on that, you know? Yeah. and I, And I think there was a time in a game where it was, really, really tough for me. Kerrigan got scored on and this was last year and I literally lost it. I screamed at her <laughs> and that was a lollipop moment from Donna. Donna was like, go. And I was like, oh my God, that was so bad. I totally did that because I'm her mom, yeah. not because I'm her coach. Because I was like, if that was Brooke in the cage, I would never yeah. have said that and screamed at her like that. And it was a learning lesson, right? Cause yeah. we're all learning and we're all making mistakes. And I was like, wow. And I, I went up to care. I was like, I'm so sorry. I am sorry that I did that to you. That was really bad. And I, you know, yeah. And but it's, it's, it's like the accountability yeah. piece, right, too, that this is new for me. I'm coaching you. You're my daughter. And yeah, I coached her at club yeah, when yeah, she yeah. was younger, but I gave that piece up to try and let them go fly on their own. And yeah. we brought them to a different club, that kind of thing. But it was definitely a moment where a, a not so proud coaching moment where I was yeah. just like, wow, that was. Yeah, that but I'm was,
0: sure it's hard to balance like coaching. Like even my dad would do that during basketball sometimes. And, you know, of course he would like be like, oh, you know what? It was, I stepped out of line Um, because he's coaching us for so long. You kind of break that boundary of dad coach. And sometimes, you know, during the games he's coach um, and at home he's dad. So I just like, even for the, just the player um, to remind myself that, you know, this is my coach during the season and then at home I'll be my dad. Mm -hmm. Um, But I only have a couple more questions for you. Mm-hmm. So, um, even though we're having so much fun, we could, go on. Um, on. we could, um, what this is the hard one? So I'm going to let you think oh, about it. <laughs> what motivates you?
1: What motivates me? Um, you know what? I don't think that is a really hard one. I, I am motivated by, um, by I'm motivated by my daughters. Mm-hmm. I am. I am motivated to show them that, um, as a woman, you can do this on your own and don't rely on anybody. I was raised that way by my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad set forth with a, you know, I have an older sister and a younger brother, and it was always, you need to be able to make it on your own, and no matter what happens in life, never rely on anybody. Yeah. Um, which, there's a flip side to that, right? And when I say that, you're always gonna have a tribe around you, that's important. But I always say, if something, God forbid, ever happened to my husband, that I'd be able to make it. Like, mm-hmm. my financially, I'd be okay, my daughters would be okay, we'd have a house overhead. And we would be like we're in a good place I set, yeah. set us ourselves up for success if something were to ever unfortunately yeah. happen. That's important for me to emulate, so I always want to be a better version every day for them and um, and I also let them know that I'm vulnerable, that yeah. I am a work in progress too, that sometimes i'm you know I mess up and I say the wrong things and you know um, and sometimes say hurtful things, yeah, and but how do i how do I do better and show them that we're, we can all be better versions of ourselves mm-hmm. the next given day. Um, and so, so yeah, my, my girls motivate me and set, setting them up for success yeah. for their futures as well.
0: Well, so it actually reminds me of like my dad has this and, you know, Evan knows. Um, so my dad has TikTok, which, you know, he thinks he's so cool, but it's really for posting, you know, some of his content, content on work. And he just had this one video. And did, did he tell you about it? The viral one? I'm not supposed to. Okay. So um, he had this TikTok go viral, and he was talking about how, you know, as – and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, you know, as we grow up, as me and Mackenzie grow up, it becomes more heartbreaking because we're starting to need our parents less because um, – and that's our job as parents is to really teach us how to do things on our own. So I remember, like – and he brought up this example in the TikTok. I'll send it to you. Um, where, you know, from a young age, my mom had us, you know, calling to make our own doctor's appointments or, um, doing this. And I think there was this one time, and I talked about this on my podcast with my mom, but there was this one time that in the cereal box, it was supposed to be like this fun spoon that came in the cereal box and it wasn't there. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to call. So after this time of calling the, um, <laughs> the doctor, scheduling our own appointments, um, there wasn't a fun spoon in the cereal box. And I'm like, this is wrong. Like, this is why we got the cereal box. So I could get this fun spoon out. So maybe like seven. And I called the number on the back. I grabbed the house phone and I called the number and I'm like, there is no spoon in, our, in my cereal box. And so I would love, and I'm sure that was a mistake, but I'd love if you would send me one, maybe one for my sister too, since this has been a mistake. And so I think it was Kellogg's or something. So they sent, they were happy, like they were like, they probably got a kick out of it because there's was like some seven-year-old calling them because there was no spoon. Um, they sent the spoons and whatever. But my dad talked about how, you know, it gets more heartbreaking because they're starting to do things on their own, and that's their job as parents is to really, you know, set us up for, you know, they can, we'll always be here for them, we're always their support system, we'll be their biggest cheerleaders, but they can go and they can do this stuff on their own. And that's like even going to college, you know, going in two weeks. I'm confident in my sister and I that we'll be able to, you know, thrive and, find whether there's going to be highs and lows but be able to like keep each other in check but also keep ourselves in check and be like you know these are my goals for college and these are the people I want to surround myself with because it's a whole new environment so I connect with you on that level because you know our parents have really taught us that since a young age yeah um but so these are two last questions that I end almost every podcast with I actually added a new one Uh um Do you enjoy reading? If so, because I'm starting to get into reading more, so I'm like, I'm gonna throw this in. Do you enjoy reading? And if so, what has been your favorite book?
1: Okay, I'm gonna be real honest. I'm not a huge reader, but I'm one of those people who I go on binges, right? So I'll go through like, oh, I'm such a reader, and it's like three (laughs) months. Me right now,
0: like read one book. I'm like.
1: Yeah, or like like so, Jessica, the the yeah. well, my friend that I mentioned earlier, she's a huge reader, and she started like an online book club, Facebook book club, yeah. and I'm like, oh, I got this. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna once a month, and I'm like, I read the first one, or I, I read a couple of them, and then hashtag failed out, but it's okay. Like so, I go through it's binging. Okay. So yeah. right now, I'm working on a presentation for Thursday. I'm in a mentorship group for okay, medical awesome. science liaison managers through um, the MSLS organization Mm -hmm. that I'm in and I have to do a presentation. So I just, and the books that I'm definitely a, when I'm reading, I like nonfiction. Like I I like to learn, right? So... This, my husband is a massive reader. Like we get in fights about it. I'm like, dude, he's, he doesn't have like, he doesn't have expensive hobbies other than if you come in my house, we have a library and it's fantastic because he does get a lot of joy out of it. And, and I think that's great. But so he's got this amazing collection of books Mm -hmm. and they're all leadership as well. So, um, Uncommon Leadership, it's a really short, quick, really, really quick read. I just read that one. I'm working on, I'm working on a relaxing book. Cause I'm like, oh. you need to just chill in the rocking chair and like, <laughs> relax. Hello, summer. Um, and then on Q is the Fifty Six, which is okay. a historical book about um, just little blurbs about the um, Fifty Six people who signed the Declaration of Independence. So that one's oh, wow. that one's on pause. Yeah. Because I'm trying. That one's on I'm trying. Pause. I'm trying. And you know, obviously, we do leadership manual for field <laughs> hockey, so. I have a cue, but I'm like, I got to get off my phone and stop scrolling.
0: That is so me. So, like, my sister, um, I feel like we're a little bit competitive, though, and I just want to be able to read for fun. Um, I was never a reader growing up. I was, like, always, you know, with my free time, I wanted to be outside, riding a bike, playing games. I was never like, okay, I'm going to enjoy sitting down and reading a book because I always thought, reading, Mm -hmm. that's school. Like, I'll just go to school for that. Um, But, like, last week, Kenzie was like, you know what, I'm going to – put my phone, I can bring my phone to the beach and I'm just going to read a book. And she actually ended up reading the book the whole time we were at the beach. And so I was like, okay, maybe if she can be able to put her phone down and read, I'm going to be able to. So I actually read the same book as her. It mm-hmm. took me a little bit longer. It took me about like a week and a half. Cause I needed to like take some breaks here and there.
1: Wait, wait. I, I think yeah, I remember which book was this.
0: It ends with us. Yeah. That Emerson,
1: yeah. my youngest daughter loves it's what C- Colleen, Colleen Hoover. Hoover. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's
0: like a trending book among yes, like my, my age and even older, like all women. Mm-hmm. Um, But so Kenzie's like, oh, it's so good. You have to read it. And she was able to read it in one day. And I was like, you know what? I need to put it down. Like every few chapters, I'm just going to put it down and think about what's going to happen next and just give myself a break. But I connect with you on the not reading for Well,
1: and the other piece to my job is I do a lot of reading for my job, right? We read, like my job is to read research articles and my team, we break them down and are they valuable? That kind of thing. So to my defense, I do some pretty, I'm sure you do. it's not, and it's not always the fun, most fun yeah. reading either. So yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So my last question that I end every podcast with is, well, thank you again for coming here. Um, but if there was one piece of advice that you could give to the girl that's struggling with, you know, knowing their self confidence, knowing their self worth, what would it be?
1: Wow, lots of ways we can go with this one. Um, I'm gonna go based off of something that I tell my own daughter is um, take risks. Mm. Take risks, who cares? Who cares? Um, At the end of the day, if you take the risk and the outcome may be favorable, it may not be, try again, you know, and find a support system that... um, that encourages that, yeah. right we 're all going to fail at things, but who you surround yourself in picking you back up from that um, is really the important piece, right, and be patient and kind with yourself, yeah, you know a lot of times we just are, we're so hard on ourselves and we seek perfection, and it, it doesn 't always have to be that way, and it's part of the process in learning, and for me, it was really learning to be kind to myself you know mm-hmm. like being that person who like always has to go 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 go. like it's okay to sit down and read a book yeah it's okay to sit down and do nothing <laughs> um once in a while but yeah. it, it is hard for me to sit still so that's great I, advice taking risk yeah. take the risk yolo <laughs>
0: yolo yolo <laughs> take the risk right just do it
1: yeah, I love yeah. it
0: well thank you so much for joining me today I was so excited for this episode I was like telling everybody I'm like Coach Cat at NDP it's going to be on my podcast but well, thank you
1: well, thank you for having me <laughs> and hopefully um, you had some fun with it I made I it through I a whole it. how time is it I made I it know. through an hour and 15 minutes of no swearing like that's so <laughs> impressive a new record yeah so good. Well, thank you, you bring so out much. the best
0: in me yeah. um, thank you everybody for listening today and have a great day bye We'll